is opening in three, two, one. And with that, our room is open. So we've got, uh, yeah, a few people streaming into the old virtual studio here for Dotto Tech. Welcome, everybody. Glad you're joining us tonight for Dotto Tech Live as we return after a week's hiatus. Uh, it looks like quite a few people actually coming in. That's awesome. Uh, let us know if you're in coming into the chat room. Uh, let us know where you're coming in from, where you are in the world, so we can say hi to you. There's a, it's going to be a small group. I think we had 15 or 20 people, maybe 25 people signed up tonight. So it's going to be a small, tight group, so you'll be able to have lots of interaction with our guests. And what a lineup of guests we have tonight for Dotto Tech. We have Aaron Cruikshank joining us from Vancouver. Aaron, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks. And I'm actually talking to you from Surrey, British Columbia today. Oh, that's close enough. People, this is an international show now, Aaron, so people don't know Surrey. Even okay, they, okay. okay. Vancouver it, area. In the greater Vancouver area, indeed. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, and Aaron is a specialist in shared office space. I first met Aaron when he was running uh, a, uh, a uh, was it a, a, what would you have called the hive? What was the... It was an association, right, or what? It's a nonprofit co-working space. Yeah. It was a nonprofit co-working space. There we go. But he's an expert on virtual offices, and I thought let's have a discussion on what's happening with virtual offices that aren't Starbucks. And uh, and Mike Vardy also joins us. Mike, my productivity go-to guy. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing excellent. How about you, Steve? Good. I'm doing just great. So I thought this combination of guests would allow us to talk about productivity and how we work in the virtual environments. And so we're going to be focusing on that this evening as we move on. And of course, as usual, our moderator of all things in the chat room, Fraser, Fraser Morrison from Nova Scotia. How you doing, Fraser? Good, Steve. Don't say he's from New Brunswick, and for God's <laughs> sakes, don't say he's from Newfoundland, or he might be coming through the, he might be coming through the monitor at you, eh, hey, Fraser? I'll try and contain myself. Yeah, you, you know, but and most people can't tell the difference between Nova Scotian, New Brunswick, and a Newfie accent. I can, sort of. Well, you've been here enough times. I've been there enough times. So where's everybody coming in from? We've got Anna from Victoria. How are you doing, Anna? Welcome. Roger, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome, Roger. Very early in the morning for Jan from Angolash, Sweden. Is, did I pronounce it, Jan? Let me know. Angolash? And uh, Wetaskiwin, Alberta. We always seem to have somebody from Wetaskiwin. Is it always Andre? Now, why is everybody messaging private right now? Why do they all seem, all the messages seem to be coming privately? Is that because they don't want, do we have it set up? We have it in the chat. I can see them. I think it's if you want to private message them, isn't it? Oh, maybe so I want to private message back. Okay, well, we won't worry too much about that because that doesn't make for fascinating a fascinating webcast, does it? Aaron, <laughs> let's kick things off and let's talk. Now, so how long did you spend at uh, at uh, at the Hive, Aaron? I was the executive director there for two years. Okay. So the Hive was a shared workspace where people could lease office space by almost any measure of time, right? Yeah. We had drop-in day rates uh, or we had packs of day passes that people... The Hive has packs of day passes that people can get, but our most popular packages tended to be uh, monthly packages where it was like a, a subscription where it would roll over every month and you just kind of let the Hive know when you were done. Or you could put it on hold for a while and renew it, like if you go out of the country for a couple months. And I don't want people to think that this is just a phenomenon that's happening in the west coast of Canada or in Canada or North America. This is a worldwide phenomenon that's happening where we're looking for shared office space, correct? Absolutely. It's huge. There's actually a, an online publication all about co-working called DeskMag, mm -hmm. um, and they've got a ton of information. They have a study they release every year about 
how many co-working spaces there are, and the number of co-working spaces seems to double every year they look at it. So there's thousands and thousands of them worldwide, and there's 70 just in Canada. And it's, is this an, a sort of an ecological movement that's driving it, or is it a productivity movement? Who's behind the idea? Like, like who's really getting behind it and driving this ahead? I think it really emerged in the Silicon Valley in the early 2000s, and the, okay. the movement's about a decade old now. And I think it was a response to a lot of these people doing really nimble software plays where they, they, they didn't want to rent a big private office, so they kind of said, hey, let's, uh, let's band together, let's share space, let's pool resources. And a lot, of the, a lot of the roots of the co-working spaces that are around us in technology and software development. Uh, the Hive is very unique because it really caters to the social enterprise scene, but most of the co-working spaces that are out there are heavy, heavy uh, software industry focused. So where you're bringing together small teams for short periods of time and then they're going their own separate way. That or, I mean, some, some software companies never get very big. Some of them only are three to five employees for years and years and years. And it just, I, I find with co-working spaces, if your team is less than half a dozen people, it makes sense to be in a co-working space. If you get bigger than that, you get to be 12, 20 people. Uh, economies of scale are such that you should get your own space. Is, is, is the immediate driving factor behind it for most people to go into shared space, is it economy? Is it because it's just that much cheaper? I think it's two factors. I think for, for the solopreneurs, it's certainly cheaper to get into a co-working space than it is to set up an office for yourself. But for other, for other teams of two or three people where they could make that calculation and go, well, hey, you know what, we, we could do one or the other. Um, there is something to be said about social isolation. You know, as, as many of us who've been self-employed know, uh, social isolation is a real problem, and it's and it's uh, co-working is a solution because you're surrounded by people, and if if you really need to vent or talk to somebody about a problem you're having, you can turn around, and there's usually somebody right there you can talk to about it. Just the feeling, you know, I often notice that if I'm working for many, and I've got a home office, as do you, Mike. Mike, you work at a home office as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I find that sometimes I just, if I have a meeting in town, I will plan on being out of the office all day, even though I could come back to my office, but I'll plan to just sit in a Starbucks or maybe drop in at a place like yours just because I feel more productive. That change of environment, that being where life is happening, it, 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 it infuses me with a little bit more energy. Is, is that a common thing? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of folks find when they try out a co-working space, I get a lot of people telling me how productive they feel, keeping with the theme. Uh, and one of the things, there's some social pressure there. It's positive social pressure. But if you're, I, I mean, everything's Well, you don't online, wear right? sweats for one thing. Yeah, and you also don't. You also tend not to mess around on Facebook all day because if you look around and everybody around you is working and you're messing around on Facebook, you feel guilty and you realize, hey, I'm paying however much to be here today, you do the math, and you're like, should I be dicking around on Facebook or should I be working? Hey, Mike, do you notice a productivity difference when you're in your in your home environment and when you get out? Absolutely. Um, it's funny, they just opened a, a new co-working space in Victoria, and it's, they've, they've had some successes and failures in the city, but they've just opened one called the, I think it's called the Dock. Uh, yep. And it's, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to go check it out because on Thursdays, that's the day when my wife is home with both kids. So that's when I like to be out of the house. So especially with both kids here, summer's approaching, I'm going to have to dive into some co-working spaces for sure. Because when you're trying to have those important, not just meetings, but like as a writer or as somebody who's trying to develop some products and ideas, you need to be in those, you need to be in a place where you can have that focused 
focused experience. And you're right, Aaron's right. Like, I mean, many of us who don't work in an office anymore, when we did, we used to feel compelled, like, we wouldn't check Facebook or Twitter or whatever because everybody else was working. So even though we don't aren't employed with these people, we still, in a lot of cases, are like, oh, well, they're using the space wisely, so who am I not to? So yeah. absolutely. And most of the time, I just jet down to the coffee shop here, and they know I'm coming, and they know exactly what I'm going to have and all that stuff. But it does. A change of scenery is really good for productivity because what it does is it shakes things up. It's kind of like exercise. You know, that cheat day that you have? Same kind of thing. When you shake things up a bit, it can actually do wonders for your, for your productivity. Hey, Fraser, let's, uh, I know we've got, a, uh, how many people do we have in the room right now? Let's just take a quick boo. We've got 15 people. Good. That'll be good for a poll. Uh, put together a poll and find out how many people work from home and how many people are working from an office environment. Uh, and, uh, and let's put that up, okay? Yep. Just be interested with, with this group. Um, so, so, Aaron, now you've recently made a shift. Now, so you, you, grew the, uh, you grew the environment down there at the Hive for about two years. And how, yep. many, how, many, how many working spaces would there have been in that environment? The Hive has room for about 110, uh, there's 110 physical seats that you can put butts in. Uh, it's a 9,000 square foot space, but uh, I know when I left there was over 100 businesses doing business out of there because they had a hot desk area that was flexible, so some people are only there a day a week, um, so you can definitely squeeze more people into the hot desk area than you can in the permanent desk area. And does the is the pricing pretty consistent internationally? Like, if we talk about how much it would cost, would that be would that be reflected in other markets as well? I think it really depends on the market. So, for example, uh, after leaving the Hive, I now work out of a co working space in Surrey, which is a suburb of Vancouver. Uh, cost of everything's lower out here, so I can get a permanent desk here for half the price that I could get a permanent desk at the Hive. So, so would you be, it really would you depends be on the at? local cost. So, what well, would you that, be looking at? At the Hive, you'd be looking at about $450 a month for a permanent desk, and somewhere like Beta Collective here in Surrey, you're looking at about $250 a month. But I typically see $350, it seems pretty consistent in Canada for, for a permanent desk. That seems very cheap. It's me. a good deal. It's a good deal. Not cheap. I mean inexpensive. Yeah. Cheap makes it sound tawdry, doesn't it? Not. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? What, is, what does that sound like for you as far as price? Well, I think it sounds great because, I mean, when you think about it, uh, you're not taking a, you you the thing about the co-working spaces is again that whole scalability right you can have multiple people come in so if you if you can get the word out and if you're in a you know a metropolitan location like Vancouver or I mean New York's great and I mean heck we're even seeing uh, uh, startups like Breather come along where you can actually yeah. go and have a have a place Julian Smith started it up uh, where you, you have a place where you can go in and unlock the door and have an apartment just to yourself instead of going to a coffee shop so the movement is definitely growing and when a place like Victoria, it looks like they crowdfunded this thing, and it looks like it's going to have a real go this time. I think that that if you can have enough people to sustain it, I mean, rents are are, are not going to be nearly what what what's needed. Uh, you know, I mean, you're going to be able to fulfill the uh, the obligations of rent and utilities and all that stuff. So I think that if enough people get behind it, and especially as more people start working from home and in smaller spaces like myself, um, it makes a lot of sense. And it, and again, it's that whole. Um, especially for these the writers and the solopreneurs that are working out, out, of, out of their home, it's also a great networking opportunity. People get to see what you're doing, and if you're in a place where there's, especially the startup world, that's why it started because it's a very, um, um, inbred's not the right word, but it's a very integrated... Incestuous, uh, you know, that might incestuous. be better. That might be better. Where, especially, you know, in San Francisco, everybody wants to, you know, either learn from each other or, or steal each other's ideas or what have you, but 
ultimately, uh, in, in work co-working spaces, you can spread the word a lot faster because you're not just relying on social networking. You're actually getting actual physical meet space networking happening as well. So let's talk about the sort of resources you have. Now, when you talk about uh, that you rent a permanent desk at some of these uh, facilities, Aaron, so it's the desk. What's, what is a typical, uh, like for your three to $500 a month, what's the typical uh, assets that you have available to you? Pretty much every co-working space you're going to run across is going to have uh, a desk. that For a permanent desk, that means a desk that you don't share with somebody else. Hot desking means it's kind of first come, first serve. You sit at a table anywhere that's available. But when you rent a permanent desk, that's your desk. You can put up your personal effects. On my desk here at Beta Collective, I have an external monitor. I have a laptop stand. I keep a wireless keyboard and mouse in my drawer. So it comes with a set of drawers, typically, that you can lock. So I can lock up my stuff. Are you in this space now? Here. I'm in Beta Collective right now, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so you have 24-hour uh, access? Yeah, most places you have 24-hour access. Um, I'm actually in a boardroom right now at Beta Collective, so I just had to book it. I just had to contact them and say, hey, I need that's, the boardroom. That was my next hours. question, meeting space. Yeah. That was my next, and that's the one that's really interesting to me. So talk to me about meeting space. Uh, yeah, but before I do that, so okay. also in most co-working spaces, they provide good high-speed internet and, uh, and power and typically free tea and coffee. So you don't have to run to Starbucks all the time. Is the coffee good? Really depends on the space. At the Hive, we have really good coffee and a French press. Other places, they've got those god-awful uh, Keurig machines. Cups, tea uh, cups and stuff like that. Yeah. Those are, you know, here you are being environmentally so responsible by sharing space and hot-swapping desks. And then you're using those little freaking disgusting pieces of nature although they yeah, make decent coffee for what <laughs> sometimes for single cups compared yeah. to a french press so it's, there's no comfort yeah well, i've got the fan super fancy espresso machine here i've got the uh i've got a seiko uh, an italian make that does americano so i'm actually well caffeinated almost all day long i can tell yes indeed <laughs> it's important to me my that's right my coffee is as important to me as mike's beer is to him in the evening mike's beer is in the evening have you started on a beer yet mike uh not yet no actually uh, i'm just going with water tonight i got a i got an early morning coaching call tomorrow so okay. i'm gonna stay away from the booze tonight i got a speaking gig in maple ridge tomorrow morning so i've got a busy day, day as well okay so let's 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 roll back so so basically high speed internet power reasonable quality furniture a yep. place to lock a place to lock up some of your peripherals. Yep. Um, do they provide backup services and stuff like that? Are the hard drives are there is their data services often provided? Not typically, no. I mean okay. that that would get to be fairly complicated. I, I mean, as somebody who ran one of these spaces, the simpler the service you can provide, the better. So, got it. You know, good commercial grade Wi-Fi access points and uh, good gigabit Ethernet. If, as long as you can provide those things, I, I I think anybody running one of these spaces, keep it simple. There yeah. are some. There are some that actually provide little pods for, like little small rooms, one-person rooms for you to podcast in. I've seen those before. Yeah, oh, where you cool. can go in and it's almost like a little, uh, almost like a closet. <laughs> where <Yeah. it's> <laughs> we we had those at the hive too. We called them our phone booths, and they had power and Ethernet and had a door you could shut and like LEDs. So if you're doing a Skype there. call and you wanted some privacy, something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about meeting space because that's one of the big challenges. You know, a small. Yeah. I don't do as I do a lot more meetings now online than almost any other way. But um, but what, what's what do we typically find for meeting space? Is that an upcharge? Do you have to budget for it? Typically, most co-working spaces, the meeting you get a certain amount of meeting room time included. Now, most co-working spaces will allow you to book it as a drop-in service. So if you really need a meeting room but you don't have a 
a co-working space membership, you can typically call them and they'll just bill you by the hour for using their boardrooms if they're available. But typically if you have a permanent desk membership or a private office at a co-working space, you'll get, like at the Hive, I think you get 10 hours a month of meeting room time. Are these guys, are the people that are building these now, are they forming any sort of co-ops or any sort of alliances so that if I if I have a, a space in Vancouver and I'm now traveling to Seattle or New York or Toronto that I can find some space to work in and I know where I want to go basically I've got you know I, I'm in a club sort of thing absolutely uh, we call them passport programs so um, there are a number of different passport programs but Hive Vancouver for example belongs to one with other social innovation spaces so if you have a membership at Hive Vancouver that gets you some time at Center for Social Innovation in Toronto and Hub Ottawa and, and it was with Hub Halifax as well, but they closed recently. Okay, so it's so as you're choosing that, uh, researching and knowing exactly which ones and where you tend to travel, that will come in. Would that make a difference for you, Mike? And if you if you were to sign up for membership, would you be looking for? Because I know you spend a fair bit of time in Seattle, a fair bit of time in San Francisco. Would you be looking for places that you could share space in those or or use share space in those places? It's funny when I was going on the road to Ottawa for a, for a workshop. I actually ended up going to, uh, there's a new one in Hamilton, uh, founded by the guys from Brave New Code, uh, one of who, you know, one of Dwayne Story, who's from Vancouver. Uh, Dale Mugford's from Hamilton. They opened a place there, so I was spending some time in Hamilton, so I popped by and saw it there. There's one called the Code Factory in Ottawa as well. Uh, I managed to find that place. And then in Seattle, there's one that, the one that, um, uh, I'm going to mess it up. The one Amber Osborne, you met uh, You met yeah. Amber. At, Amber so was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so uh, the one Amber, uh, know, she knows some people uh, in Seattle. She's, oh, I want you to come down, come down, hang out in Seattle. So, I mean, once you start to get into the, to the um, once you start to explore them, they, they seem to pop up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest fear about co-working spaces, and I don't know if Aaron can speak to this, but you're st- I'm a little bit worried that again the saturation is going to happen where you see so many of them pop up that they kind of it's kind of like the art scene in Victoria where so many things are going on that nobody you know that they all kind of implode. Um, I know there's a couple new ones in Vancouver. I don't know how well they're doing, but um, they almost like I don't know. Are they re- like they are the next big thing? But are too many people jumping on it so that it's kind of hurting things overall? I don't know. What, what do you think, Aaron? I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I, I get the concern, but I would say we haven't come anywhere near hitting the saturation point yet. I, I think the real sign is going to be when somebody like my mom has actually heard of co-working and knows what that is, <laughs> yeah. then we've probably hit that saturation point. But right now, it, it's still one of those things where, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm actually working on five new co-working spaces simultaneously uh, wow. as part of my new consulting practice. And, uh, you know, three of them are in Vancouver, one of them is in Surrey, and one of them is in Calgary. And we're, we're doing field research right now and saying to people, have you heard of co-working before you got the link for the survey? And only about a third of the people are saying, yeah, I've heard of co-working before, and this is our target audience. These are, these are work-from-home professionals, and it still hasn't hit that. I mean, it's probably triple what I would have expected to see three years ago, but it's still, it's still one of those things where people are like, oh, my God, that's a thing? I would yeah. have loved to have had this two years ago. Cool. Is are we finding corporations are starting to make it available for their staff that when they're traveling, for example? You know what? There's there's an existing kind of eight hundred pound gorilla in this space called Regis, and okay, they, and so they're 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 shared office space, but the traditional model where you have a closed door and reception yeah. and all that kind of, and they're quite expensive. 
Yeah, and they're but they're everywhere, right? So you see uh-huh. people like KPMG, Pricewaterhouse Cooper, a lot of the big accounting firms, a lot of the big software firms like Oracle. If they have a team in town for a month doing a big push to get some software done, they'll just go straight to Regis and say, "We need we need enough room for for ten guys for a month," and they just bam, they do it that way. But I and find it's a big bill. It's a big bill. It's a big bill. Yeah. It's a big bill. But because the co-working movement's a little more grassroots, a little more touchy feely, I think it's kind of off the radar of a lot of the really big companies. So while they could be leveraging it, probably getting a better deal, a lot of them are not currently. I don't think I just don't think they're aware of how well that could work. Is that what's going to happen? Is somebody going to step in that is a management company and that's going to legitimize these by creating a brand that's a national or an international brand for it? Possibly. I think what's more likely going to happen is you'll see something. There, there's some folks, like there's a service right now called ShareDesk um, that a guy out of San Francisco has been working on, Kia Romani. Um, and what he's trying to do is sort of become the Airbnb for co-working spaces. So if you're, if you're, if you're an operations manager for a company, you can go to this and say, show me, I'm looking at this city, show me what co-working desks are available, what's the price, and you pay for it all through that portal. And their model is, of course, they take a cut of those bookings. But yeah, but that's so awesome. I, I think that's more likely where it's going to go. Is there will be a few kind of brands that emerge as portals to co-working, where it's assumed that they've vetted them, they it's legit. Um, you know, you're going to there's good pictures. You know what you're getting into. Yeah, using social networking for it. Because if I'm going to Toronto and I'm going to be doing all my work in downtown, I don't want a shared space in Mississauga because that's like another time zone. Yeah, so there are services that are emerging, like ShareDesk, that that uh, that do this. So I, I'd be, I'd expect to see more of that as it becomes more mainstream. I, in would would the shared office spaces consider Regis to be their competition, or do they consider Starbucks to be their competition? I would say I would say people like me, I would consider more Starbucks my competition because honestly, I think so, yeah. we we get we used to get people at the hive. We'd call them Regis refugees because we had this one woman that showed up who um, she said, honestly, it was the weirdest experience she'd ever had. She was a lawyer, and she got some time at Regis, and she said there was nobody there. There was no receptionist. It was kind of like Airbnb. You let yourself in. And she said, honestly, if I tuned the radio to static, I could have pretended I was in some kind of post-apocalyptic zombie movie, and I was the last human alive in downtown Vancouver. So, uh, <laughs> by, by the way, this this tonight's podcast is brought to you by Regis uh, Office Supplies. <laughs> <laughs> for me to keep my language clean. <laughs> it's okay. I don't think they even know who I am. Uh, so, so, but but Starbucks is the competition because I yeah. when I because I look uh, if I'm. Uh, I just look for Starbucks. That's the office. I stop in. And it's not that I love Starbucks over anything else. It's just it's convenient. Except their Wi-Fi sucks. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Tether. I tether all the time. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's funny because some people, you know, I, I, I used to do that too. And I'd get to know my baristas. And, you know, I'm doing this research in Olympic Village right now for a co-working space I'm trying to open there. And uh, I went and talked to some of the managers of these coffee shops, like at Urban Fair and Terra Breads, and said, and asked them some questions, like, do you get people that hang out here the whole day? And at Urban Fair, the barista was like, oh, yeah, I know who those dudes are. They come for 10, 12 hours, and they spend 20 to $30 on coffee and food. Well, the ridiculous thing is, you know, you can go to a co-working space and get a day pass for that and yeah. not have this pressure to buy stuff and, and the Wi-Fi. Well, you do have to eat. Good. You do have to eat. And Urban Fair's sure. got some yummy stuff. 
Yeah, but like the Hive, you got Costco around the corner. You can get a hot dog for a dollar fifty. Oh, there you go. Well, that's uh, power food, Sarah, man. Rolling out, rolling out the class. Yeah, while you're there, you can <laughs> while you're there, you can buy thirty pair of underwear. That's right. <laughs> so you can stay all week. That's right. Oh, good heavens! So, Mike, do you look for coffee shops when you go? Do you park yourself in a coffee you know, shop? Yeah, in a lot of cases. I mean, when I'm traveling, what'll happen is, and I guess this is probably other competitions. I still work in my hotel room sometimes. So you know, I mean, it's there. I'm as well. I don't work like in work. It. I don't like see, working in my hotel room. See, the reason I like working in it is if uh, is if I know I have something that I want to get done, and if I leave my hotel room, I'm going to end up wandering the city, especially in a city I've never been to before or a city I haven't been to in a while. Mm. So I'll spend my time doing the work there, and then I'll leave and go do my stuff, and then. If I find a co-working space, um, Seattle's and Portland's a great example. I've done that in Portland, uh, Austin. I, I stayed at a friend's place, so I stayed. At, I, I spent some time. I can't remember the name of the co-working place in Austin. It's pretty popular. Um, during South by, they were all. I mean, people were talking about it. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where um, I I look for the coffee shops first because that's they're just so visible. I mean, and I live yeah. three doors down from a, my local coffee shop, which is great, and I know the guy there. But in a lot of cases, I mean, if I'm in a place and I know there's a co-working space, I'm more apt to go there for the simple reason that you mentioned, the Wi-Fi. Because, man, tethering, especially in the States, if you're a Canadian, try to tether. Tethering is not fun, not easy. It's just I'd rather Mike, just... Yeah, I know the wrong Mike, thing. I know. Mobility is your right. friend. Right. Mobility answers all of the issues. Rome Mobility. And I've got my Rome Mobility card from when I won the app of the week, and I'm taking it with me when I go to Portland. It will but, change your life. But but you know what? Then there's the convenience of having to switch car. I mean, if I can go to a co-working space, I'll go to a co-working space. But but by and large, those signs. I mean, it'd be great if if these places were have would have like co-working as like the big thing that stands out instead of the, beep, the, beep, yeah beep. like co-working as opposed to the giant starbucks what's, lady what's the lo- aaron what's the longest oh by the way we've just ended the poll i just ended it 80 percent of the people online work at home with us 80 percent of the internet but it's a completely accurate representation of the entire world now 80 percent of us <laughs> work at home well, I'm doing, I'm doing some field research right now, again, for this Olympic Village thing, and I, I've got a survey with about 100 respondents, and I asked some of those questions as well. And a lot of the people do a mix, right? So I'm seeing people spending... So what I asked them was, how many hours a week do you work? And then show me how you divide that time between working at home, working at a coffee shops, working at somebody else's office, and working in something like a co-working space. And most people, they break it up, right? I, I do it. I work from coffee shops sometimes when I'm in a part of town not near my co-working space. I work from home when I got to watch my kids or late at night. And and I spend probably two, three days a week here at Beta Collective. Okay. So that's good. So let's uh, let's let's transition now a little bit and let's start talking about what these co-working spaces mean to the virtual teams and how you how you start getting a little bit productive in that space. And so Mike, uh, what's what's happened in the world of productivity? What's 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 exciting you right now? Well, I mean, I just finished speaking of like co-working and, and dealing with, especially when you're working on the internet and you've got a team that you want to build. I just, I've, I have a virtual assistant now for the first time in a long time. So really? that virtual, yes. And I, and I've uh, after my experiment, which uh, I got to test out, I met um, somebody from Virtual down at South by Southwest to give me the idea to kind of put it through the paces, and I did, and I was very happy with it. But man. Um, 
kind of like a co-working space, it takes some getting used to, to figure out what to delegate, where to, you know, you're so used to working on your own, and you don't see the person, right? That's the other thing. There's no face-to-face. So you got to try to figure out what to assign the person, all that stuff. It took me a good two months to kind of build up a workflow. And it's funny, before the, we started talking about interesting Evernote uses, Evernote's been my best friend in that regard because I've built like a best practices notebook that I just share with my VA, and that way she can see, you know, hey, here's what here's what Mike would do in this situation. So it, it takes a lot of, of trust and willingness to to, to uh, delegate, which is uh, you'd think yeah. you'd be good at as a productivity person, but at times it just you it's hard to let go. Yeah, right? I can't imagine you'd be that good at delegating. <laughs> we, we, do all, we do but, everything ourselves. But I'm but I'm using Zirtual. It's really cool. Um, it's called Zirtual. Zirtual. So virtual with a Z, or okay, as they so, say Z. <laughs> so. How much time are you using of a uh, of a? I've got uh, the base. Plan. I've got the base plan. So the base plan is eight hours per month. And the reason I've only got eight hours is because it's not cheap. For because I get a dedicated assistant who is in my time zone, um, and they can do pretty much. I mean, there's no um, there's no cultural differentiation. So a lot of virtual assistant companies are dealing with people overseas. So there's some cultural nuances that you have to deal with. Uh, not to mention time zones. Um, so I'm paying basically 25 bucks an hour for this person now, which which is which is which is a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's also given me pause to think: Should I? This is where where the barrier comes up. Where it's like, hey, should I just have somebody local do it? Because there's lots of people looking for work, you know, in Victoria yes. and Vancouver and whatnot. See, so mind- it's, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts behind virtual assistant is they've got to be really cost affordable, or they should be local. Right, and in this case, the 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 idea behind this service uh, is that they do everything very very they do everything very well. They're very efficient, and they do save you a lot of time. So they they bank on the hey for the twenty every twenty five bucks you spend, you're going to make X amount more. Um, Chris Ducker he wrote the book Virtual Freedom. Yeah, yeah. He runs a service called Virtual um oh man. Virtual Finder, I think, is the name of the company, and he's going to kill me since I didn't remember what it was. But uh, Virtual Finder, uh, and it's it's uh, basically a company out of the Philippines, and that's your dedicated personal assistant. So you're not working yeah. with a company; you're working with a person directly. So there's lots of different ways to do it. I wrote a post about it um, on my whole experimentation. I've actually downgraded starting in July to just use. There's a thing called Virtual tasks where you uh, pay, I think it's $25 a month and you get one half hour worth of work if you want. Um, but I'm starting to lean towards actually bringing on just an actual second physical person here in the city because, again, 25 bucks an hour, American, right? Uh, I can uh, I can definitely have somebody else here do it and then maybe go with a smaller task, something like fancy hands or something like that to handle some of the more, um, I guess, mundane or, or easier tasks to handle. But there's that, that, I'm building a virtual team right now, which is interesting, because my team is both virtual and actual, I guess, so to speak. Okay. Uh, just a tip, Aaron, if you're gonna be typing, which is okay, you're allowed to, but you might wanna mute your mic, because every time you clack, you come forward. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. We're learning to use this technology. We're not I'm not busting your chops, but I thought Aaron uh, was applying for a job. Just, with me. I think just that's keeps why popping in, popping in, popping in. Um, now, but you know what Zirtual has probably done for you though? Even though it does sound to me to be a little on the expensive side, just from my perspective, but they know so much about the virtual assistant thing is you've kind of paid to be trained to use a virtual assistant now, right? Yes. You've been yes. getting advantage of it, but you've also been learning how to work with one. Um, I know that uh, I've had a lot of conversations here in Vancouver 
with a company that uh, Ubator, Stephen, oh, Steve, what's his last name? I've lost his name. Um, they have uh, offices in the Philippines as well, and the Philippines is very popular for North American outsourcing because mm-hmm. their 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 education system is almost identical. They speak English from birth. You know, there's a lot of the same cultural references, uh, and the, the the economy is that you know at five or seven dollars an hour, they have a very good a uh, good standard of living, so it becomes very very affordable. And uh, I, the, Steve uh, has built a lot his business around Ubator, which is a for realtors. So they specialize in realtors and getting. Pro- virtual assistance for realtors and it's right. fascinating but there is a substantial dollar difference to what you could get somebody locally for in that particular case and and there are other services like e i looked at a bunch of them if you look at the experiment i did it was called call for help and i mean there's some that are really inexpensive like Ephesus, and then there's which is a service that you pay for and you don't get a dedicated assistant and then there's one the highest i think and one is ea help which costs a lot more money and i think michael hyatt uses it and a few others so it was you're right the whole idea of getting the experiment experimentation done allowed me to figure out what can I outsource, what sh- what am I willing to outsource, what am I not willing to hand the keys over for. Uh, should this be something that I do with someone that's local? Should this be something that I do with someone virtual? Do I need to spend this much money or do I not? So it's been a real and we used we actually used Todoist for our our, our the tools. Oh, so we tool. used Todoist. Um, we used Evernote for a lot of communications. We used One Password. They use LastPass a lot, but. You know me, I'm a 1Password fan, so I actually yeah. bought her a license for, for 1Password. Um, well, that costs you almost as much as, as, much as paying well, for 1Password, so freaking expensive. 1Pass. <laughs> 1Password one one is 12 bucks a year. Well, you mean LastPass is 12 bucks. LastPass, yeah. yeah. One, 12 bucks a year. Yeah, I know, but you know, I, yeah, I've got I, some. I, I've got some. I'm rolling in the dough. I'm Mike Vidy. I got it. I got it coming and, out of the end. And Agile Bits is from Toronto. Okay. They're Canadian. Well, that's good. So what did you, out of curiosity, what did you find? Now, Mike, you're a blogger or a writer. You Mm -hmm. do courses. You teach workshops. What did you find the virtual assistant worked well for you for? What were you able to delegate? I was able to delegate them the gatekeeping email address, that whole info at productivityist email. So anyone who was trying to get connected with me that wasn't a direct relationship, they they handled that up uh, right up front. They handled, basically, I gave them all my expense stuff and said, here, fill out this expense sheet for me. Um, they also handled research, a lot of research for me. So, okay. hey, what's that? that's a big one. Um, and some of them won't do that. Some of them won't do research. Some of them, they and this, and Zertual in particular, won't do content creation either. They're very, very trepidatious about even doing social media updates um, because it's content creation, and I can understand that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's wise to have a, a virtual assistant do your Twitter updates because you know there may be some inconsistencies with what you would say versus what they would say. There's an inauthenticity attached to it. Um, other things I would have her do, initially I had her do um, scheduling, but I decided that it was, it was much more effective to use something like schedule once. It just made more sense because it removed the email dance. So in some cases, this whole experience taught me that a service would do far better than, than, a, than a person. A Wayfind is another great example of that. Uh, for email purposes, so I had now to do say that. that. But if they were in your physical location, if you were like yep. where you were working with them, the scheduling and so, those sorts of things might suddenly be back on the table. Right, right, they might be absolutely. Um, but yeah, those are the big ones. And then eventually, I think I gave her. Um, I had her do a lot of Pinterest stuff. I had her do a lot of Pinterest updating, like grabbing pictures and stuff for me, because that was something I just hadn't dove into. So I was getting some of that experience uh, in terms of that. Um, 
but yeah, it was a... Oh, and going back into my blog and backlinking. So figuring out posts that, that currently existed and making sure they all linked up. That's stuff that she would do as well. And that was valuable. That would be very valuable, getting that, yeah. those backlinking services. Did you ever consider looking onto, not a service, but onto a site like Odesk or something like that for, the, for your talent? I did. I did. And I know that some people have done that. Um, I decided to go with the service initially. I think next time when I do this again, because again, I'm, I'm, as of the end of July, I'm done with, with Zirtual, at least for the summer. I'm going to take a break because uh, kind of, things kind of slow down. But what I'll do is I'll probably look at what Chris Ducker's done and see where he... I might just go right to his company because, I mean, I know him. I've read the book. If you haven't read the book Virtual Freedom and you're into getting a virtual assistant, it's definitely well worth the read. He's He knows the stuff inside and out. And I think that that's probably where I would go next. Yeah, I have a real fear of handing things off. I just know that I'm a terrible delegator, and but I know I probably should be and need to. Uh, it's one of the four Ds. We have to do it. <laughs> Uh, do defer delegate delete yeah no we got to do it at least at once at one point in time or another okay, well, steve needs the d i i do need it <laughs> Are, do, you, do you have a virtual assistant Aaron? not at the moment but i'll be taking one on soon i was going to add i actually used one successfully for a number of years and i i hired somebody local uh the woman that i was using was used to be the executive assistant for the guy that runs canada place and she was good no. And she was she was thirty bucks an hour, but well worth every penny. Yeah. And what I would get her to do is I would do things like I'd say, "Hey, um, a lot of biz dev." I'd say, "Hey, here's a list of two hundred people that I want to have a half an hour phone call with uh, to talk about business opportunities or a project, or pitch a project or something like this." And I'd give her access to my Google Calendar because I do everything in the back end in Google Apps, and just say, "Find holes in my schedule." Call these people, try to set something up, and I want to. I want to hit like thirty this month and forty next month, and just go do it. And she would do it, and she'd put the appointments in my calendar. So I'd get up every morning and see, okay, I got to do a call at ten, a call at ten thirty, a call at eleven, and one at one, and just bam, bam, bam. I'd line them all up and knock them down. It's somebody that could do that for thirty bucks an hour—that's cheap for that. Yes. Yep. Wow, it's all it, it is all about what you decide to delegate. That's the big thing too, right? Like if I'm not, uh, I started off with a very slow start. Eventually, you get to the point where you're just handing over your credit card information if you feel that comfortable, or having the book travel for you, or whatnot. Um, it just depends on your comfort level, and that that's the that's the big barrier, I think. Wouldn't you say, Aaron? It's the bit is just to get over that hump and say, I'm willing to hand that those that over to you, and get my full value for my money and you know fingers crossed based on your reputation I hope that you're gonna be able to deliver yeah and the big difference with the person that I used is I met I got to meet them face to face I think right. I met them at some god awful BNI event or something like this um, and uh, I got to meet her face to face and she that's our other sponsor tonight is BNI is it? oh okay <laughs> um, Put my foot in it again and again tonight. Steve. No, we're not sponsored. Uh, we're all Patreon. We're all we're all we we have patrons. No, no more sponsors. Right. So yeah, so I got to meet her face to face, and she was somebody that I did get a bit of FaceTime with now and again. We try to sit down and have coffee once a month just to touch base, and that was great. Um, she was like a part of my team. Now, there you go. So, and, and are you going to look for something similar when you go back into it? Absolutely. Like I've seen these, I've seen these services like Zirtual and whatnot, but I, I don't have a high degree of confidence. I don't, I don't want to hand over cold calling potential clients to somebody from the Philippines. I, I want somebody who gets the cultural context and uh, pro preferably somebody who knows something about these companies that they're going to have to call. Well, it sounds to me though that 
at business development level, you've actually got more than a virtual assistant. You've got, they're a marketing partner or a sales partner to a certain extent for you, more than being a virtual assistant. Even though they're, they're scheduling for you, they're doing a lot of the legwork to, to set that relationship up. It's far more than, I mean, I imagine, Mike, do you, do your, did your virtual assistant have much communication with your clients at all? She could have. That's the thing. As a virtual assistant, you don't, they're not, they don't have to be clerical. They don't have to be yeah. admin. They could be whatever you want them to be. Uh, you know, I mean, the person I'm, I'm looking at locally now, well, I'll probably meet with her very similarly to what Aaron's did, did before. I'll meet with her probably once a month. She'll be doing some business development, that kind of thing, you know, fig figuring that stuff out for me, figuring out what, you know, products I should be working on. I'll be bouncing ideas off of her, that kind of thing. Um, it's all what you are willing to, to offload, and that kind of determines the role of what the VA takes because the VA, you can have a general VA, you can have a, a video editor VA for all. I mean, it doesn't yeah. really matter. It's just it's most outsourcing. people, you're right. Most people get caught in this VA needs to be a secretary. Like on, like that's what most people get caught in and it doesn't need to be that way. It could be as, as, as far reaching as you're willing or as the person on the other side of the equation is willing to go. Anna in chat has just commented that she had put on an event this week. She brought on a VA that was definitely worth the $30 an hour. And if they know what they're doing, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, that's, the bottom line is uh, if they're adding value and they're taking stuff off your plate and they're making your events or your, or your workflow go more smoothly, then it definitely is worth that. Hey, Aaron, are there people who are entrepreneurial in spirit in that space going into the shared spaces and, and trying to kind of like become a resource in that space to the people because with a, at, at the hive a hundred desks or uh, you know a hundred and odd some odd people it would seem to me that would be an opportunity for somebody entrepreneurial to go in there and say hey look i'm available absolutely if, if you're somebody who's thinking about offering those kind of service services it's hard to find a better in-baked audience in a co-working space and at the hive we were always scrambling to try and find a bookkeeper and we were we were offering things like Hey, we'll, we'll we'll subsidize your desk if you'll come in here and run your bookkeeping business out here because we got all these people that need bookkeeping service here and they don't know who to go to. And if you're here, and and to Mike's point, it's it's all about a trust relationship. Like if you're going to work with somebody, the amount that you're willing to delegate them is directly related to how much you trust them. And if you can see them every day and touch them, don't touch them inappropriately, of course. But if you can see them and spend time with them, shake their hand just makes that kind of handoff that much easier. So yeah, I think there are some very driven and entrepreneurial people that do go to play co-working spaces and, and do that. But I think more people should think about doing that. Yeah, because I would think that a co-working space, if they could get a, a, a small cadre or a small core of talented people that are that that small businesses need like a bookkeeping services uh you know secretarial type services maybe internet marketing or web development a small web development company in there that can be that could then service some of your other clients that would make that space that much more appealing to somebody moving in absolutely mm. okay we figured out a business plan good <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's move you know i wanted to mike i wanted to talk to you because you are I don't want to insult you, Mike, but I saw yeah you do yeah you do a little bit just a little bit. <laughs> the first day I physically met Mike, Mike and I had a bit of a relationship online. We were we 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 had little man crushes on each other because we're so cool. And then Mike got off the ferry, and I, I I remember meeting him to drive him somewhere in Vancouver for the very first time, and he was wearing those stupid toe Vibram shoes. You know the ones with the toes in them. I have them too. They're, they're awesome. No, they're not <laughs> awesome. 
They're not awesome. I saw on the internet that they actually harm your feet. I, it no, they're a scam. No, it's not. It's they can't claim that they help your feet. There's no science. There it is. Happen. They like, had to pay out tons of money to people. Oh, yeah. Did you collect? Yeah. Did you collect? No, of course not. Because <laughs> I didn't. I didn't you at all. Two, oh, great! I got two toe walkers here. <laughs> uh, well, needless to say. After that experience with Mike, anything physically, when Mike was telling me this is important for your health, I took with a grain of sand. I just kind of looked at it slightly askance. Uh, but I know that you've been a big proponent of sit-stand desks for a long time, Mike. And to be honest, I'm a big fan of the, the concept of sit-stand desks as well. And I wanted to spend some time talking about it because guess what I got sitting in front of me right now? What a do you got? sit-stand <laughs> desk. I can nice. stand up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look terrible because I'm going to go past my green screen. By the way, somebody in chat commented asking about my green screen, what it was for. And it's really just a convenience when we do this show here. Uh, it's designed for when I do my normal videos. But there, I'm standing now. And probably my audio is terrible because this mic is quite, you have to be quite close. But I'm standing. You can see the top of my green screen. Isn't that cool? I can stand. I've got the uh, Ergotron, which is, I think, maybe the Cadillac of sit-stand desks. It's a beautiful piece of engineering for the Mac. Oh, my gosh. It, it's, it's a spectacular arm that goes up and down. And I like it. I've only had it for a week. And I'm standing maybe 40% of my time. It takes you a while to work up to standing all day. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm quite liking it. I'm quite liking it. So where was I? I don't know what I was going to say. Anyways. You're in, the middle you... of insult you're in the middle of insulting me. <sighs> well, I and also, <laughs> also talking about how much you love Mike. I do like it. It was a little man crush. But I do I do like this. i got to get back on my ball chair because... <laughs> See, I'm on the bouncy ball chair. See me bouncing? You know, you know Leo Laporte was doing that once, yep. and his ball burst on air. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah. Ah, couldn't happen. Nice guy. It was awesome. Okay, <laughs> boop! He fell down. Yeah. That hasn't happened to me yet. Um, so I, have you... Do you have a sit-stand desk now, Mike? I do. I've actually made... Uh, I basically made one out of my existing materials that I had here. So I have like a little, uh, uh, gosh, I guess it's like a, a writing desk. And then what I did was I went to a company here in Victoria. They build a shelf that kind of looks like the Ikea shelves that you mount to the wall. But what they do is they have like a little shelf inside of it. So it's like a hidden hidden drawer. And so I had them put that at, at eye level so I could put my MacBook Air up there. And then my writing desk, the, the top shelf, just is high enough so I could, you know, use the keyboard. And that's what I use most of the day. I stand in uh, my – I stand barefoot most of the days at this point now. Uh, and those also, shoes get stinky if you wear them all day. They do. They do. Um, and that's what I use for probably about – 70 to 80 percent of my day and then i've got a, a chair that i'm sitting in right now i also have a ball chair but i haven't used it in a while now do, is it making a difference in your health absolutely my i went to, i just came from the chiropractor yesterday and she said there's two things she said first off the toe shoes are helped because they lay a solid foundation with your feet and secondly my spine if you work on a computer all day you're going to be doing this right yes so it's, because i'm standing i have no i have no you know i'm, I'm my back is straight um, and also, when you're doing podcasts and doing videos and stuff like that, uh, I don't know about you, Steve. I, I, when, you, when you speak and stuff, when you do speaking engagements, your hands move. You're more engaged. I actually find it, I deliver better video and better podcasts when I'm standing. Every time I do mics on mics, I'm standing. In this case, my, just to get better yeah. light, I'm sitting. But my energy level is always better when I'm standing. When I did the TV show, uh, if I was fading at all, they would always make sure I got on my feet. 
to do yeah. the next set. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, unfortunately, my mic arm doesn't work well. It, it 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 isn't the equal of everything else in the system. So uh, when I'm recording, and also where my green screen is, the eye level, and I, I'd ha- I'd have to modify more of my system in order to stand. Uh, so I haven't started standing for my for my daily videos that I'm recording or for a show like this. I've chosen to to sit for this stuff, uh, right. but for my normal work, you know, I am now standing, and it's I, I'm I, I know it's going to make a difference because I know that I'm start I am hunching over. I am mm-hmm. increasingly when I look at myself in the mirror, I realize that I could probably make a pretty good living as an extra in Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some sort of a hunter <laughs> going around. So. So I'm 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 fascinated by it. But you've cobbled to get cobbled together a stand desk. You don't really have a yeah. sit stand desk. You got a stand desk, and if you want to sit, you got to go somewhere else. No, no, no. I can fold the when the when the writing desk. Oh, I've got it's like a folding open one. So when okay. I want to sit down, I just fold the desk open, and I've got. So it's a combination. And then I've just ordered um, Kickstarter had a campaign for what's called the stand desk, and it's actually the the least expensive one that they've said they're ever going to they've ever built and it's made uh it's like 600 bucks i think yeah um but it's automate like it's it's a it's a, it's a little um, motor to raise it's it a lower. motorized one and uh it also uh, i mean not that i'm going to need it but it's got an app that you'll be able to use the app to raise it up and down but there's a switch right there so i don't know why you need it <laughs> okay, but they, they asked the app. This. this is this is how much money they asked for fifty thousand dollars and they received six hundred and forty nine thousand two hundred and forty four dollars for, for their campaign. Kickstarter program. Yeah, yep, yeah. And and now, it, but it's going to cost you probably close to eight hundred bucks landed at your house by the time you pay shipping and all. No, that. because the the idea was they wanted Canadians as many Canadians as put in as possible. They're going to put a fulfillment center in Canada. That's what they want oh, to do. So it's going to actually probably run me total maybe maybe high sixes. Which so, is still so this good is, for so this automated. is a square desk which will move up and down. It's a rectangular desk. Yeah, it's a yeah. rectangular that will move up and down, and I can have a black top or a bamboo top or a white top yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that sounds but, good. But I'm really looking forward to it because I used to have the um, was the IKEA jerker desk was the one that everybody used as a standing desk initially because you could raise it, but then you had to like take it apart to lower it again. Um, okay. Now the other desk I have that I use sometimes is actually called the fit desk, and it's a it's an exercise bike desk. They the the treadmill ones look so cool. The Trek deck, yeah, the Trek desk, yeah. But this fit desk uh, I got from Adam Creek, the uh, Olympic. He's oh yeah, Victoria, the yeah. Olympic rower. So, he was yeah, on the, the so Adam, it, it He was almost too, nearly drowned by rowing across the Atlantic yeah, Ocean. Yep. He so he uh, he this was too small for him. So he said, "Do you want to do you want to buy it?" I know. He says, "Do you want to buy it?" I'm like, "Sure." So I bought it from him. It's awesome. It, it I can sit and write, and basically there's room for my laptop, and I can like sit there for a half hour and just bike and burn away. Like it just feels great, and it's it's so there's there's you've it's, got it's, a bike it, desk. I've got a bike desk. How it's much would one of those desk. cost me? How much did one of those cost? I think it's three hundred bucks new. Three hundred bucks new. What? Yep, three hundred bucks new now. It is built for it's. It's not the. I would say it's not the sturdiest of things. Oh, so it's not it's for built, chubby Steve. I, I was trying to be polite, Steve, but <laughs> okay, I, hey, I insulted your toe shoes. I insulted your toe shoes. So you're so, saying you're saying Vardy said Dotto's too fat to ride the bike and were and ride at the same time. I never said that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what the I social media he, I, channels are going to say tomorrow. <laughs> so is my clout score going to go up as a result? Is that what's going to happen? Could well. <laughs> But but no, it's something's so, going to get clouded. Yeah, I guess I bet. But I love. I mean, the the whole idea. More people are switching to it. 
Um, you know, I think that obviously I, I do. You know, you want to sit from time to time, but standing, I think you burn more calories. I find myself more energetic. I think that it's worth exploring. I don't know. Do co-working space have standing desks in them, Aaron? Like, I mean, I think there's got to be some that do, right? I actually worked at a standing desk when I was running the Hive, and uh, it wasn't a, a convertible one. It was just a standing desk, and they, they were fairly popular. But, I mean, most co-working spaces, if you want something like that, you have to bring it in yourself. And most right. co-working spaces are okay with that. They're like, hey, if you want to bring your own desk, no problem. We'll put our IKEA L-shaped monstrosity into storage, and you can bring your cool, sexy convertible desk. But, right. Yeah. There's there's one called the Ninja Desk too that you can hang on the back of a door and it opens up and then you could use it there too. So it's called the Ninja Desk. I think it's about two hundred bucks maybe. I think that's but, a bad idea. Well, you notebook on a desk on a door. <laughs> I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's practical. Let's think about practical. how. Let's think. Let's put that equation into action for a moment, shall we? I'm not saying it's completely practical. I'm just saying that people are finding new ways to take. That's a portable desk right there. Yeah, oh, I guess so. I guess you could. Yeah, you could take it to like, and if you want to work in the hotel room, because the hotel desks, oh, that's the reason I don't like working in hotels. Right. Is this the typing position of the desks and those leather chairs and so low? Oh, it's yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's so. Yeah. Un that, I'm sure that's that's why I don't like it. It's my back. It's not that I'm not antisocial. It's my back gets sore. I need a massage. It's terrible. So I, <laughs> uh, you know, we we never we never let we never let Per Fraser talk. Fraser, do you, do you sit on your butt there in Nova Scotia when you're working? He does IT support in the school board. So uh, no, do you guys rare. have stand desk? What's that? No, no, very rarely. I'm a network technician, so I'm always running from office to office. Oh, <laughs> running Ethernet cable, checking out, sticking your tongue on it, making sure there's yeah, full of charge. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, so he basically is a Trek desk, basically, at this yeah, point. He's running, yeah, he's running from space <laughs> to space. Well, I tell you, I, uh, I, think that, I think if you haven't explored the idea of sit-stand desks... Um, it's well worth it's well worth looking into. You know this, as I say, this ergotron is a thing of beauty as far as being able to stand and lower it, uh, move it around. Um, I'm going to be doing a review, a, a little video on it coming up. It's not cheap. It's uh, north of eight hundred dollars to buy it, but it is styling. It because it matches the Mac interface so beautifully, and it works with all Visa. You know, you can get it that works with just plain Visa monitors. But I've got a 24-inch iMac, and it'll even take the new 27-inch iMac and allow you to stand up and lower it. And it's 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 quite an engineering marvel. I think they've done a really good job. I think their basis of these Ergotron people is medical stuff. You know, cart mm. stuff. You know, for medical carts and stuff like that. But mm. they've definitely taken the stand a uh, move into this space here. There and, were and, a lot of standing desk and ergonomic stuff at South by Southwest this year. There was a lot. And it seemed to me that the, the kind of the price threshold was 800 to 15 or $1,600. But I think that's there's some downward pressure from people like the, the, the this Kickstarter campaign. That's mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's one, I think, that was, there's one desk that I saw. He, he had some chairs, too, that were interesting. But some of them were, like, you you have the high-end craftsman ones that are worth, like, you know, $3,000. But, yeah, they're, they definitely are coming down in price because the demand is there, right? So people are, are wanting them. And, and this Kickstarter campaign is, I mean, they made a killing. And I can't. I can't wait to try it out because I'm looking forward to having a. Uh, I wanted a geek desk for the longest time, and that was the one yeah. that was originally motorized. Because they got so a good name. I'm, yeah. Oh, totally. Now I've got the stand desk, which I think you know probably says it all more than anything else. Andre in the in the chat room asked if uh, he uh, has a treadmill, and he says my ass hurts from sitting all day. No kidding, Andre. Uh, do we know of something that can be added to a treadmill? Now I don't know about retrofitting, but there must be some retrofit kits. But there are also treadmills that are designed. As walking desks, I think and Aaron, 
Yeah, I think Aaron just put in the in the in the chat. Trek desk does have a desk yes. that you could fit around your existing treadmill, right, Aaron? Yeah, I just posted the link. And it and it actually wraps around your existing treadmill. Yeah, yeah. And the, and and I've I've read a little bit of people doing that, and they say you start out quite slow. You start out like half a mile an hour, and you it will take you a little bit of time to get comfortable to get your coordination down. But the people that I've talked to that user or looked at that use it say that they like to get up to about I think it's two and a half miles an hour or getting going a little bit faster so you're actually getting some exercise because that steadiness of, of that of that gate is you know it's you're going to set your own pace but you're going to find kind of a, an equilibrium where you're quite stable and and they find that they can work quite well I mean I don't know if graphic artists can work that well in that case or any of that sort of stuff but probably AJ Jacobs wrote about it in Drop Dead Healthy, his latest book, where he did a lot of experiments to become more healthy, and he actually made a treadmill desk for himself and wrote about the whole experience. And he actually, I think he still uses it. That'd, be, my, it. that'd be the next thing that I'd like to do. And then, and then you need the uh, the Nordic Trek with the biggest. Well, that that would be an interesting way. To, you well, you dictate, so <laughs> that's what I was just about to mention. Is you know, increasingly, I I type less and less, and when I'm standing, I don't type very much. But I use the uh, I use the dictation for more of my communication than ever. Uh, consequently, more of my communication is completely misunderstood because my proofreading skills suck. <laughs> but I do dictate almost all of my email and most of my writing now, and uh, so I so I find standing even I, I would be sure that if, even if I was like riding a bike type thing, look at me bouncing up and down, riding a horsey, and riding a horsey <laughs> as well. But if I was doing that kind of stuff, I would be I would be absolutely comfortable, and uh, and uh, I, that's the next stage. Now that I've got the standing thing. I'm I'm going to be looking for the next stage, which is probably going to be a treadmill thing. Yep, very Good cool stuff. Hey guys, I think uh, you know we're just about up to an hour uh, for the show today, and I think we've covered. You know, I, Mike and I could talk for. We'll get you back on soon, Mike. We could talk about the latest in productivity software, but I like the idea of talking about physical space and in the shared working environment. I think that puts a pretty good wrap on the show. So, Aaron, where do people go? You've got a good blog. Where do people go to find you? Oh, very generous to say I have a good blog. I'm just starting, but uh, best place best place to find me is at crookshank.me. So it's c r u i k s h a n k dot m e. And if anybody's interested in consulting and discovering more about the shared office space, Aaron has hung his shingle as a consultant. So he helps organizations figure out what the if it's viable in your area and what you can be doing. So, uh, so good luck with that. And and a job well done, Aaron. I, I know that I know that the hive just rocked under your leadership, and I'm sure that the new ventures are going to do real well as well. So, so Thank thanks you. for thanks for sharing with us today. And I will of course have links in the uh, in the in the. Uh, uh, beneath here uh, in the video uh, beneath and in the emails that go out uh, once the show's done and also in our blog post on the uh, for this and Mike productivityist.ca com? com dot com I got I got the dot com I got the yeah. dot com oh yeah Pro- <laughs> and he made up a word productivityist it was, is it a real word it's a portmanteau so it's 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 a combination of two words productivity and specialist or enthusiast depending on which way you you fall Oh, good. I'm glad it's productivity and not proctol. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> That's a whole other topic. I don't think there's any apps for that yet either. There we go. For there might course, be some kind of a standing desk for it. There, there might be. Could be. There could be. Yeah, well, that's, there we go. Uh, Fraser, thanks so much for helping us out today, sir. 
Not a problem, Steve. Good day to you. And uh, for Aaron Crookshank, Mike Vardy, I'm Steve Dotto. Thanks so much for all of you that stuck around. And for all of you in our virtual audience, we appreciate you uh, you sharing with us tonight. Uh, we'll be. I think we're going to have a show next week, and then I'm going to be off for a couple of weeks. But uh, we're looking forward to, to having you join us next time on Dotto Tech Live. On behalf, of, uh, on behalf of Fraser, Aaron, Mike, I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs>